Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to In the Company of Trees. My name is Tobin Mitnick, and I am a Jew who loves trees. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I was I was quite torn about how to introduce today's episode because of the pressure to say something valuable that's actually going to help people who are feeling scared and upset about the murder and the brutality that engulfed regular everyday people in Israel this past Saturday and will continue to engulf the innocent people of Israel and Palestine in the coming weeks. Uh, just let me say straight off, I don't have anything new or valuable to say. I don't have anybody who is in danger right now, so I can't speak to this from a, 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 a knowledgeable place or um, a grieving place. And I went through a few versions of this opening, and I even had a standalone episode. But you know what? I don't, I don't think it's very good, and I don't think that it actually helps anybody, so I'm shelving it. I think I was trying to be clever, and I also think that clever looks pretty bad at this moment. I think that clever is what makes people say things like, they had it coming, or, okay, now they got it coming, when referring to regular families with children who happen to live under a regime they hate. But don't worry, I'm not gonna do I'm not gonna do some sort of like new age therapy speak about how being outside and and like hanging out with trees and Mother Nature will ease your pain in this horrible time. It won't ease the pain, you know, feel the pain. Look at the images, call your family. Solitude can of course be valuable, but I'm not sure that's what you need right now. You know, I've always personally I've always found that the most compelling aspects of, of trees are what we choose to imbue them with, the the symbols that we find in them and the model for living that we, that we see in trees. There's so much to understand about what trees are that often we neglect what trees can actually mean. Um, what they meant to us 10 million years ago when we were literal monkeys living in trees and they were our homes and they were our places of safety and the way we went through our entire lives in trees and they were almost like the water that we swam in. Then, you know, what they meant to us as we warred over who our creator was and what we should put in our sacred texts and what kind of and what kind of symbols and analogies we want to identify with as a people, as peoples, as people separate from another people. And trees having this this central important space as kind of the mirrors that we've held up to ourselves in order to see who we could be. The only reference that I have for for that that I've had growing up is is that of a Jew and how Jews centrally position trees as this important symbol, as do many world religions. And one of my favorite prayers from when I was a child that I think really just encapsulates all of that wonder really beautifully is a prayer called Etzchayim, which means tree of life. And it unites really well how I feel about them and, and the idea that really trees grow in the path of God. And I'm sure everybody, I'm sure a ton of people just like turned off this podcast and that's totally fine. I'm going to say crazy bullshit like that all the time. But it really helps put the pieces together for me, this one prayer, as to why trees are so much more than they add up to. So before I do the episode that I'm going to do today and, and the tree prayer, I'm going to recite Eitz Chaim. And uh, the episode that I'm just going to do today is what I was planning. It's, it's an episode called Bonsai Eulogies. Uh, it stems from the idea that this past summer, I lost five bonsai trees. You know, I had a different relationship with, with each of these trees because you do with your plants. Sometimes you have favorites. Sometimes those favorites fall out of favor. And, you know, in particular with bonsai trees, if you ask any bonsai master, they often refer to their trees as their children because they each require so much care. Uh, I mean, I don't know what that says about me as a, a father, yikes, but something that these trees have in common in the way that they all died together was that I wasn't able to say goodbye to them in the way that I wanted to. What would I have wanted? You know, 
old age or gifting one to somebody I care about or maybe even just watching them have a, a gradual decline from a fungus or something because, you know, at least at least that way I would be able to get their affairs in order. You know, like I said, my favorite thing about trees is how much we choose to put into them and how valuable or essentially holy they become because of that value. Um, and I put a lot in with these guys. And so um, I'm going to sing Itzchayim, which means tree of life. It's a great prayer. Then I'll do the English translation of it, and then I will do the tree prayer. And then we'll do bonsai eulogies. Here we go. Darche noam, vechol nativo techa shalom. Hashivenu adonai, elecha venashuva. Chadesh, chadesh yamenu. It is a tree of life for those who grasp it, and all who uphold it are blessed. Its ways are pleasantness, and all its paths are peace. Help us turn to you, and we shall return. Renew our lives as in days of old. In the company of trees, I feel whole. In the company of trees, I feel home. With them, I am tinglier. With them, I am minglier. I raise my cup of water and pour it at your roots so you can drink your health all the way out through your shoots. May you grow your fill and help me to grow mine. Thank you, trees. I have before me four dead trees. They're um, looking at each of them. Their foliage is falling on the on the floor of my my daughter's nursery where I'm recording today because the sound is primo. Wow, they're just they're so dead. They've been dead for about a month and a half now because the reason that they're dead um, is that I went to Vancouver and I forgot to ask somebody to water them a couple more times than usual, and uh, this is the consequence. So I let them die. I'm the culprit here. This is not up for debate. I. This is me. I'm looking at them right now. What do I have here? I have a Juniperus procumbens. That's a procumbens juniper, one of the main starters for bonsai. Almost always the starter for bonsai, I would say, for most people. By the way, it's pronounced bonsai, not bonsai. Bonsai refers to a, a tree in a tray. Bonsai is a Japanese military maneuver from World War II. So, now you know. So there's a Juniperus. There's also a Japanese maple. This Japanese maple is extremely dead, my god. It just looks like a stick in a pot, and it is in a... Uh, uh, a pot that's clearly too shallow for it. We'll get into that a little bit more in, in a while. But uh, au revoir, Japanese maple, dried out stick. Moving on to an olive tree. This olive tree was purchased from Home Depot about three and a half years ago. It, it for, for some reason, it has survived. Um, there are many occasions on which I would have just let it dwindle, but that did not happen. And now it chose to up and die on me like a fun surprise just as I was getting back into it anyway. So there's the olive from Home Depot. And the final one is in terrible shape. It was in terrible shape, uh, to be clear, yes, it is dead, but it was also in terrible shape before it died too. It is a Hollywood juniper. That would be a Judiparis canensis, which is a Chinese juniper. Um, this one in particular is a Hollywood juniper, nicknamed, I believe, Kaizuka. And um, that was my first bonsai tree, so now it's dead. 
Now, I was trying to figure out how to address all four of these trees so that I could kind of honor them in the way that they deserve to be honored, but also be honest about my true feelings about them, because those are varied. And a few weeks ago, I recall my mom and I were sitting on the couch during Yom Kippur, and we were starving and very, very thirsty because we were fasting. And we were watching a sermon remotely, because that's what you do now as a 36-year-old. You sit on the couch with your mom, and you watch a sermon on the internet as it's happening live in another place. It was a wild experience. And I think there was actually a conversation between Rabbi Sharon Browse and the Surgeon General Vivek Murthy, and he brought up Dr. Ira Bayak's um, idea that at the end of somebody's life, they typically have four ideas to communicate. Or when you're saying goodbye to someone, when, when death seems imminent for them, you typically have four ideas to communicate. The first one is, I love you. The second one is, forgive me. The third one is, I forgive you. And the fourth one is, thank you. Thinking, well, these are the deaths of plants, so this is not entirely as serious as it could be, but these trees do mean a lot to me, or did mean a lot to me, and I realized that they kind of fit quite nicely into each one of these categories. I love you, forgive me, I forgive you, and thank you. Uh, by the way, a little little bit about bonsai, first of all. I know a lot of you have like watched all the crazy stuff I've put out into the world about bonsai and why I love it so much, but bonsai is not a species of tree. Bonsai can be any kind of tree, you just make it small clip it here and there, you wire it into the shape that you want in order to convey a sense of age. And bonsai can come from anywhere. It can come from a tree collected on the mountains. It can come from it can come from nursery stock. It can come from seed. It can come from anywhere. Um, you too can do bonsai and feel the way that I feel right now. Anyway, one of the major themes of bonsai is its relationship to the idea of wabi-sabi, the, the Japanese idea of beauty in transience, right? And in some ways, this this should prep us for the harder versions of this in in real life outside of our gardening existence. So I'm going to eulogize these guys. I'm not sure if the eulogizer is often the killer. You know, I'm going to have to look that up. Um, but anybody who has plants kind of knows what I'm talking about, how you'd like to say something to them that is both honoring them, but also honest, because you know what it's like when somebody gets up there at a funeral and they start talking about how somebody had amazing, like, opera singing voice. And you're like, actually, I think he sounded a lot more like a tin can that was being massaged. That might be a little severe, but... These I, th I felt differently about each one of these trees, and, you know, there were some that I resent as a father. There are some that I, you know, think only about the future for. There are some that I ignored. There were some that I loved dearly, and, you know, sometimes I think about myself as, like, Ramses or Chinggis Khan with my, like, 300 children, and, uh, you know, sometimes I'll look at a plant and I'll be like, wow, I didn't even, didn't even know you were there. Like, I didn't even know this bonsai tree was mine. My God, um, somebody get us on an episode of Maori. Anyway, let's get started. Eulogy the first. Japanese maple, forgive me. Okay, let me pull you up here. Hold you real close to the mic so that everybody can hear this. It's one of his sad branches. Dead. Uh, Japanese maple, I believe you finally left us on August 25th or thereabouts after what was actually a long struggle while I was in Vancouver. Um, I suppose probably a five or six day struggle. Now, I kind of damned you from the start because you're often meant for wetter, cooler climates, you know, Acer palmatum. Your leaves are the shape of a human hand. Palm, palmatum. That's where that comes from. Wetter, cooler, those aren't the words I would normally associate with Southern California. So in essence, I was already giving you a difficult time um, making you grow up in my backyard, which has little to no covering on top. So forgive me. 
you know what? I could blame the nursery that sold you to me. They really shouldn't have done that. They really shouldn't have been dealing Japanese maples in the first place. You know, that's their fault. Um, no, it's mine. Anyway, when I think about my practices with you and looking at what you look like right now, which is like a, like if lightning could die, I trimmed your leaves too much in order to try to make you grow them back fuller. And on occasion this worked, but what this actually did was just steal away your energy, stealing all your potential energy and carbohydrates inside of you and turning it into kinetic energy. And then there was no potential energy left. So I slowly drew you to a close without thinking, I believe. I also left you in the sun too much. Um, your leaves were always like delicious little pieces of bacon. I should have known not to do that. You know, your needles are not thick, cute of gold. You are not meant to grow up in this atmosphere. The atmosphere that you are meant to grow up in is that of the mountains of Japan, where you came from. Leaves typically have thicker cuticles when they're meant for rougher environments. Think of, uh, think of the needles on a pine. Those are actually leaves, and they have a thick cuticle meant to protect their water from escaping. Now, Japanese maple, I want to be clear about something. You are pricking a lot of ways. You know, you have this, uh, I'm, I'm still looking, I'm looking at it and I can still see it on a couple different branches. You have a lot of adventitious growth. Those are like tiny little buds that pop up where you don't want them on a bonsai tree. Now that could ruin my designs. It did frequently. And I hated this about you. I resent you for this, but let's be honest. I was much more to blame because I was, what were my faults in my relationship with you? I think I was too taken with the gorgeous, extremely um, ramified, and what ramified means is where the branching happens, that's called a ramification, and then another branching and another branching. So what bonsai masters aim to do is they aim to produce these extremely ramified Japanese maples in order to produce all of these teeny tiny little leaves of, you know, red and yellow. And you can see that at shows across America where they typically show bonsai Japanese maples with full foliage. And in Japan, they actually show them to showcase the branching ramification itself. So they'll wait until all the leaves are off, or they will intentionally defoliate, which means cut off the leaves of the tree. And God, those trees are so beautiful. And, and God, I wanted one of my own in my backyard. So, so I bought you and I was hoping that I could go against the advice of all gardeners who would say the best way to grow a Japanese maple in Southern California is not to. But the fact is, I also was not I was not prepared to sacrifice for it. I was not prepared to... What would I, what would I have done if I wanted you to face a, a bright future? I would have gotten you a shade cloth immediately, probably several layers of shade cloth, thinking about the UV intensity down here. And I would have gotten you out of the sun. Oh God, I would have put you in a larger pot so that your roots could have grown strong and you would have had a strong foliar counterpart up top. And God, I know you looked uncomfortable all the time. And I think you, I think you were. You looked like an... You were like the Michael Sarah of trees. Gosh. And I'm looking at you now and you just, you know, you're just like a crumbled parody of God's creation. And I see all of these marks of shameful negligence from me. You know, I see this, this, this hardened putty right here. Can't even take it off. That means it's hardened, which means it's at least years old. That was the last time that I chose to put putty over a cut that I gave you. Proof that I once cared for you, that I once cared. I didn't want you to get an infection at some point. I, I treated you like a, a newborn babe, and I didn't want some fungus, you know, to move into your cut and crawl all the way up your trunk and out your leaves and kill you, and I didn't want your sap to bleed out. So, great. Yeah, good. Cool. Huh. What did I put you through all of this for? The wiring? To shape you against your will? You know, the blazing sun, the underwatering, the excessive clipping, the subsequent neglect? What was this all for? You know, I don't know. That is the truth. I have no idea. So the fact that I don't have an answer for you when you look at me, a ghost of what you once were, that's why I say, please forgive me, Japanese maple.
Okay, now I'm looking at you, Olive Tree, from Home Depot, and I say, I forgive you. I forgive you for the following things, for how you treated me, for how you disrespected me. Yeah, okay, don't look at me like that. I don't care if you're dead. I can still grab the foliage right off your stems like this. Now it's all over the nursery floor. I have to be honest with you. You were an experiment. That's all you were. You weren't supposed to last. You were just my simple jaunt into the genus of Olea because I wanted to see how resilient you were. And I, so I never cared for you. And you know what? You never cared for me. You kept on living in order to spite me, I think. You know, you were over three years old when you died in August. Again, on my trip to Vancouver, heat wave, right? Unexpected. My fault. Anyway, damn you. Looking at you, I tried to fashion you in the Fukinagashi style, the bones eye style, which means windswept, so that it mirrors a tree that grows on the coast and is privy to all of the winds, the whipping sea winds, so that it takes the form of the wind itself. You know, like the olives on the Greek coast, you know, blowing in the salty wind. Windswept. Fukinagashi beautiful. But you were really just a stem. You were really just a stem that I was playing with. You were kind of just supposed to wither away so that I could take on more interesting trees, you know, like my pinion. Oh my gosh. By the way, folks, um, the pinion survived. The pinion pine is just fine. Anyway, you just kept on living. Olive from Home Depot. Somehow, because you are whatever kind of cyborg cultivar Home Depot is is making these days. Well, you wouldn't be a cyborg. What would you be? You'd be like a cy... You'd be like a cy-dend. A side end. That word sucks. Anyway, you just wanted to live and remind me of how cold I could be, right? And you know this as well as I do, but who can love an experiment? Am I giving you big Dr. Frankenstein vibes right now? I'm sorry. But you know what? You know what? I'm actually going to say a few kind words for you. You, the one who reminded me of my ugliness. I'm going to say that you were beloved by ants and moth larvae. You enjoyed your son full on, full on, balls to the wall, even on the days when I quote-unquote forgot to water you. And also just like some things about your species, man. I mean, you're an offshoot of an ancient breed. You're perhaps the most consequential species to humankind responsible for oil fats, indestructible wood, all that kind of stuff. Your, your forebearers had lived full lives of up to thousands of years in the mountains of Crete. I mean, that's beautiful stuff. Now you're nothing like your forebears. And for all of these reasons, I forgive you, Olive Tree from Home Depot, for making my life a living hell. Oof, this next one's pretty painful. Thank you procumbens juniper juniperus procumbens you're so very dear thank you so much for allowing me to to bend and understand the branching of a juniper the beautiful juniper the tree that grows all over this beautiful planet of ours and you are the best suited for introducing a new bonsai practitioner into the art of bonsai sometimes when i bench your branches in ways that you did not like they snapped back And that told me that you did not like what I did to you. You told me that that was not your way. And I tried to listen because you had such a forceful personality despite being so small. And I gave you so much room. I gave you such a lovely pot. Four inches deep for only a four inch high tree. That's preposterous in bones I speak. But the fact is you hated manipulation and I respect that. I absolutely respect that. I remember when I first trimmed you, and I first trimmed your roots, and I first trimmed your foliage, I bent your branches into a sideways kite shape. Two-dimensional. Really stupid. Also in the Fukinagashi style, windswept. I really was into windswept at that time. But you didn't mind that it was two-dimensional. You, you were kind to me, because you filled yourself out in a way that was interesting regardless. How did you know to do that? I made you boring, and you said, no, I'm not boring, I'm interested. Oh, I understand now. Right, it's because you resist manipulation. If I ever tried to tell you something, 
and you disagreed, you'd give me a great argument for why I was wrong. You filled out my mistakes, and you didn't have to do that, but you did it. And then I would do something correctly. I would wrap an aluminum wire around your leading branch, and I would bend it below the level of the pot on the bottom, and it would stay, because that is your growth habit, and that is your way. And you would say, nice choice, Tobin. And I would say, cool. Which is why I was so surprised that you chose to die. Did I stress you too much? I might have. Maybe I pruned you too much. Maybe I did too much root work. It could have been anything. Maybe I... Maybe I left you unwatered. Maybe it was the soil. Maybe I chose to use the wrong soil with you. Maybe you don't like bark in your soil. Maybe you just like pure Akadama. Maybe you like any mix but, I, uh, but what I actually gave you. Maybe you like Akadama and pumice 50-50. Maybe you like one-third Akadama, one-third lava rock, one-third pumice. I'll never know because you're dead now. Wait, did I drown you? Did I give you too much water? I could have given you too much water. You had such an easy, free-flowing... Well, the only thing I know is that one day your scales started to turn brown, and soon the rest of them started to turn brown, and soon came the day where you were totally brown. You know, you were so small, you were like an abiding little bunny until you decided not to stick around, and I respect that. I respect that so much about you. Now, I'm sorry I didn't give you enough water in those last few days, but I think you were on your way out anyway. I think you were going how you wanted to go, without any consultation about what I wanted. And that's just fine. That's how it should be. Procumbens juniper. The easiest bonsai to start off with, and the most rewarding bonsai to grow with, and the most striking bonsai to part with. Thank you. And finally, Hollywood juniper. My first bonsai tree. I love you. I remember walking into the San Gabriel nursery and looking for a piece of nursery stock to work on because my head was so full of YouTube videos and excitement. I felt like I was on some sort of botanical cocaine and I was just looking for the first tree that I could find that had an interesting bend in the trunk that I could exploit. And God, did you have an interesting bend in your trunk that I could exploit. And I picked you up and I picked you up in your little one gallon trunk and I looked at you and I said, you are it. Chinese juniper, the densest, most beautiful foliage there is. And Hollywood juniper, growing in long ribbons, like green fire, bright green fire. And then I took you and I did what you're never supposed to do to a bonsai tree. I did what you're never supposed to do. And I took you out of your pot and I crumbled the wet soil from around your roots and I dreamily clipped them all off so that I could put you in a pot. And then, of course, I did what you're not supposed to do. I'm getting there. I started going to work on your foliage as well. You're never supposed to do that. Never, ever, ever, ever. Is anybody listening? Work on the roots and work on the foliage at the same time. That's a Shanda. That's a travesty. But I didn't know. Because I didn't know what I didn't know. It's one of the most beautiful parts of falling in love. You don't know how stupid you are. And even if somebody could tell you, you wouldn't care. That's how good it feels. So I clipped your roots. And then I clipped you into the saddest form I could. I put wire on your branches and I pulled them down as if you were a 700-year-old veteran of the forest. Oh, you looked sad, two-dimensional again, but I didn't care. You looked so sad. I even took one little branch and I cut it off, and then I scraped off some of the bark, and then I took this special, incredibly toxic ingredient called sulfur dioxide or sulfur oxide or something like that, and I painted that tiny little stump. 
so that it would glow white after being treated by the sun itself. Then I took your tiny little root ball and I wired it tightly into the bottom of a two-inch pot that I selected for you. So beautiful. I didn't know if you would live or die. Again, I had no idea what I was doing. And of course, I, I don't really now, because you are dead and I'm sorry about that. But back to when we first met, um, I took the water and I did what they told me to do, which was to water you until the water ran clear under the pot, which meant all the fine particles had come out from the dirt. And I looked at you, a tiny model of an old tree in a forest, and I felt like I was in that forest. And I felt like in another life I would find you and I would climb you and I would say, I made you this way. And you would say, thank you for making me this way. And I would sit on that crook on top of that bleached little stump that I had made to the right to make you look so, 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 so old. 700 years, who am I kidding? A thousand, two thousand, three thousand years. And I would lay my back on your trunk and I would look up at the sun, which was hidden behind a cloud, and I would say, how much longer you got? And you would look at me and you would say, how much longer you got? And I would say, I don't care. And I would inhale and I would smell the smell of your berries, your juniper berries. The jury's still out on whether your berries, a Hollywood juniper berries, can be used to make gin and not actually be toxic so nobody try it, but you better believe I looked it up a hundred times. P.S. The berries of the common juniper are the most common for flavoring gin. And I would gently rock back and forth until I fell out of my dream and back into my garden chair where I spied you six inches tall sitting in front of me, a terrible representation of what actual age looks like in the forest, but feeling as though that day, putting my hands on that tree and just manhandling it, that I had really communed with something larger than myself. And now you are gone. Now you are gone. I love you. 